Hey, it's Julie. And Pete. And uh, you're listening to Rush the Bus. Where we like to talk to people who work on the ambulance. We want to hear about their stories, a little bit about them, and that awkward pause from Julie. I know. Sorry. Um, today we're going to be speaking with Shane Jansen. He yeah. works in Kansas City, Missouri. 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 Yep. And Shane is a paramedic firefighter. Yep. That's a very exciting combo. Yes. <laughs> Peter, our own Peter, is a fire medic, a firefighter, and a paramedic. But not at the same time. Not a combo. Yeah. Right. Just separately. <laughs> <laughs> so hope you enjoy. Yes. All right. Okay. So hey. So hey, you're listening to Rush the Bus with uh, Pete and Julie. And today we have Shane Jensen. What's up, Shane? Hey, how's it going, guys? Are we mispronouncing your last yeah. name? Are we saying it right? It's Shane Jansen, yeah. Jansen. Oh. <laughs> hey, he's got a Midwest accent. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. It is. It. <laughs> it's the Midwest accent. It's the Oaks, and it's the Let Me Stick Pashes, and it's Let Me Grab the Ranch. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Oh. So what's up, man? So we, so once again, um, this is one of my epic stalking abilities, and, uh, mm-hmm. and Shane I think he commented on something, and then so he worked in Kansas. So you work in – where do you work? Where yeah. Where that? Uh, I, work, I work for uh, – I'm a firefighter paramedic for the Kansas City, Missouri Fire Department. Um, I'm currently stationed at Pumper 44, which is our, in our northwest district. Um, we're an ALS pumper, and we um, – uh, right now I kind of – we've got some injuries, so I'm going around kind of covering the ambulances uh, for some of those guys who are injured. So um, – but it's a good spot. I got a real good crew. Um, we're fairly busy. We run probably uh, 3,500 calls a year out of my pumper spot. So, that's a, that's yeah, I really one. enjoy it. And you it's, folks it, work – sorry, Shane. I was just <laughs> – I was going to ask, and you guys work 24, so it's a busy 24 we hours. We do. We work um, – we're on the 2448, um, and we've got the Kelly Day cycle. So it's once every nine shifts, I believe. So it comes out to like twice a twice a year you get an extra in-day. Okay. Or we call them in-days or Kelly Days during a month, which is real nice. So you work, so. what, 10 days a month? Uh, yes. I think we're, we're at it, – it averages between 8 and 10 depending on which day you start, the first, second, or third kind of Okay. Of the month, hmm. so. How many fires? But yeah, you get, we're. Uh, you get a lot of fires over there, or what? Uh, down in down in the inner city, fights fights about a fire a day, um, and that's probably between five or six stations. I think we do about uh, seven or eight hundred fires between uh, thirty two, thirty three stations that we have. So, it's pretty good, and it it's a lot of guys say. Um, and I've kind of gotten to experience it too, because I didn't always work in our, uh, Northwest district, okay. but they say there's like three distinct fire departments. There's the Southland, there's the, there's the Midtown and there's the Northland and they all fight fire differently. And it's a hundred percent true. Oh. <laughs> so you go to one of our Southland stations and they run a lot of mutual aid fires and they're still aggressive and they're getting in there and you go to Midtown and you fight fires and it's like, you know, your pumper pulls up and you barely have a line off and the second pumper's pulling up and you've got trucks on scene and rescues. And then the North one, you've got uh, some bigger response areas. So you might be waiting a minute, but okay, wow. we're, uh, 
Yeah, we're a pretty aggressive fire department, and we make a lot of EMS runs a year, too. Yeah. Um, our ambulance, yeah, our ambulances run, I think our busiest, I, I think we were talking about, I think our busiest runs about 6,000 a year, and a, apart from the, a couple of the outline ambulances, I'd say most of our ambulances run probably four to 5,000 a year, wow. so we average probably 10... 10 to 15 calls in the 24 hour shift, uh, between two medics on ambulances. Yeah. And then, you know, our busy midtown ambulances are running 20, 25 plus calls a day, you know, and that goes up in the summer with the shootings and the stabbings and all that stuff. So what, so you said you're working in what's, what's Kansas city like? So Kansas city, Missouri. Yeah. So Kansas, there's two Kansas cities actually. There's yeah. Kansas City, Missouri, yeah. and there's Kansas City, Kansas, How and it's divided by a. Together? We are not together. Um, KCK runs their own fire department. Okay. There's some good guys over there. Yep. We'll occasionally end up running with them if you're down in the, it, I guess that's uh, the the midtown area, but on the west side, we run with we'll run with them occasionally. Um, you know, and there's a hospital over there. A lot of us go to it's kansas uh university of kansas medical center okay. we'll take patients there and they bring them over to st luke's plaza so um but but yeah they have their own department they're they're separate they also run combined fire and ems okay they're pretty busy but they're not as big okay um i think yeah their area is a little bit smaller than ours so but yeah two two distinct kansas cities there's one kansas city missouri KC Mo and then KCK, Kansas City, Kansas too. So um, yeah. Who has better barbecue? It's uh, you guys or them? <laughs> better barbecue, I, I think, yeah, that's the question. I, I think I think Kansas City barbecue is is a regional Kansas City. That's I think oh. one of the biggest things we share in common is we all kind of have the same barbecue. Okay. And uh I'm sure there's Texas guys who listen and and guys from Memphis and got you know guys from all over and everyone yeah. says they all have the best barbecue, but I'm kind of partial. I think Kansas City has the best barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> we only have pizza. Right? I know. Yeah, Here in we New York. Pizza. Well, that's the thing. I I was like 30 something years old before I even knew what like barbecue was. Cause here in New York, you know, we have barbecue places and yeah, it's like jerk chicken. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that's it. It's like sort of a, I, I'm not really sure what it's based off of, yeah. but then when I went to Texas, I was like, Oh wow. I've never experienced this. You know, yeah. that was like very different, but it's no sauce. You know what I mean? It's not like where I guess mm -hmm. Kansas city is saucy and stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of people have their own sauce concoctions that they use and they put it on ribs and they'll yeah. smoke ribs all day. And we've got the chiefs right now, go Patrick Mahomes. He's our, <laughs> we call him St. <Saint> Patty, <laughs> but um, no. So we got that. So that's a real common thing is barbecuing or throwing something on the smoker and watching the chiefs game with some family. Oh, so wow. yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. so, so what is Kansas city? So did you grow up in Kansas city or you grew up in the suburbs? I, I grew up in the suburbs of Kansas City in a city called Independence, Missouri. Okay. It borders Kansas City. Um, I grew up there. I went to a Christian school out there, actually. Um, I had family who was cops, but I've never really had anyone in the fire, fire service or EMS side. Um, and growing up, I always knew I wanted to either be uh, going to the military or going to the fire service or going to EMS. And my uncle, who was a cop, really pushed me 
to go into the fire service. He said, you know, the pensions are good. The pay's good. You get to help people. People like you. And uh, I started doing ride-alongs, actually, with the fire department. And I really like the EMS side, too. And because because the Independence Fire runs ALS pumpers, and then they contract out to AMR. So I would ride along with them and kind of learned. And I graduated high school and worked for – I think for the summer and saved up some money and paid my way through fire Academy and then EMT got my first, um, a big thing around here is we have a lot of part-time fire departments. So it's easier for, for guys, for like us, we can go get, you know, if you're a young guy, you can go get two, three part-time jobs, pay your way through medic school and then go get a full-time job somewhere. So that's kind of the typical route to get to, a full-time department. Um, and then they only, so if so you're hired full-time, you have to have, I guess, you have to have some kind of part-time experience, right? Before they take you on? Not, not necessarily. Okay. Um, some, sometimes it's a, sometimes some guys get lucky and go through fire and EMT and come out and go, go straight and get hired on to wherever. Okay. Um, summits, a bigger depart, a bigger department in our area. They've got 10 to 12 stations, I think. And, they hire EMT, so you can come out and get, go get hired there, yeah. or some guys go um, go out and get hired. I'm sure it's the same with you guys, where military experience really counts. That's and much we've got how you get hired now, so you got to have the military points. So gotcha, gotcha, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of there's kind of like two or three routes, and that's those are kind of the the three is like the military experience or the you know the going through the part times and getting your paramedic and then you get hired. But, um, once you get hired, I mean, it's, it's, you, you know, there's not a lot of job hopping around here, but you can kind of move up and move to whatever department you want to want to eventually work at. So, which is really nice. So then how you became a firefighter at what age then, if you don't mind asking, um, I was, my first paid gig, I was, um, 19 i was i was 20 years old okay. i'd i'd say it was 20 so and that was a small little um that was a small one station apartment it ran with two guys and they ran maybe a thousand calls a year out of there so i worked was there and worked or that was you ran like first responder too we ran first responder also okay. so we, we would run with amr and then i worked on an ambulance up north and in, in a rural district um as an emt that was kind of my first exposure to being on an ambulance was the rural side yeah. so very very dear- out in the woods or in a rural area yeah you know um looking back there's there was some calls that at the time i didn't understand but we would run some really sick cardiac patients who i mean i know you guys said you you both work, work rural or whatever. And, you know, people don't call till they're sick yeah. when, yeah. when they're, when they live in the rural areas. And so we would get patients who would, you know, they'd have compromised cardiac systems and, you know, wait two days and then call and their blood pressures tanking and their heart rates dropping. And so we would, we would have to run a lot of people hot. And yeah. then you get a lot of, we would get a lot of, um, car wrecks and ATV wrecks yeah. like out on those divided highways yeah. and you know having to pull people out and lifelike people from you know a lot of trauma arrests that kind of thing so so that you basically your trauma center was like a flight away kind of thing or yeah they would we we had one that was 
um, our biggest hospital that was um, like kind of where we took everyone was probably 30 minutes away, 25 to 30 minutes away. And then we had a little Band-Aid station about 10 to 15 away. So like the typical NREMT, you know, scenario, that's kind of, that's kind of literally how it was. So looking back, that would have been a very, I never worked there as a medic, but that would have been a very interesting system to work in as a paramedic because, you know, you're making where I work now. It's like, you know, even Midtown, it's like you, you, you throw a, you throw a rock and you hit a hospital every five blocks or whatever. One of those things. Um, and even in the Northland, I mean, it's, you've got two choices, two, three choices, and it's real easy, but up there you really had to decide like, all right, is this patient going to survive till they get to, um, the, definitive level of care do we need to stop off and get them stabilized and then oh, wow. they can transfer them out later so or do we need to fly it? i know that's I, little... I like being close to the hospital <laughs> i'm not gonna lie yeah so, you know, yeah people... yeah it's i got a lot of respect for those guys you know they might the rural rural guys across america you know they might not run you know 10 15 20 calls a day yeah. but you know when they run a call i mean it's their decision making has to be critical, and it's—I yeah. mean, yeah. you're it for yeah. for a lot of for it. For a long so. time, you know, and you're like, by yourself too. Yeah, you know, because it's like EMT yeah. medic, and you know, you got to get yep. that tube, you got to get that line you know, or whatever. That's also like, you know, because here uh, in New York City, for us, we run like double medic or double EMT, and I like mm-hmm. that I have a medic partner. So if there's something that I like, I'm having trouble with. Um, you know, I can be like, hey, you want to try this? And he'll try. You know, and um, working EMT medic I I did that for a little bit um you know part-time uh where I had an EMT partner and I was not a huge fan like it definitely especially because it was like transport so the you know the times that I'd be with the patient who was critical on a vent with like an IV pump was a a lot longer and it was just me you know and um I did not find that very (laughs) like it was very nerve-wracking. I felt like a lot of anxiety doing that. Whereas even when we have pretty critical patients, um, knowing that, you know, our trauma center is maybe a 15-minute drive. Nice and close. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like, you know, you can get a lot done in 15 minutes, but uh, basically you're getting them to definitive care pretty quickly. So. Yes, yes. It definitely, I think it definitely changes your, your route of patient care when you, when you go from that sort of transport time and it, it's very it's very interesting, and sometimes it's a little scary to think about. It's that you know you're especially for a new medic. I think if I think if you're yeah. a new medic, that's yeah. pretty intimidating for you. Yeah. So I could I couldn't imagine you know being you yeah. know, that yeah. far away. You know you're straight up by yourself. You know it's sort of mm-hmm. trial by fire. You know you kind of have to like yeah. really learn fast. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, hmm. Do you remember your first call out there as an EMT or no? I don't remember my first call out there as an EMT. Uh, yeah, we. I think it was just a, a regular sick person. We, like I said, we. The one, the one I remember, I remember a couple from out there. Um, one of them I remember was a lady, and she had a symptomatic uh, bite. I think it was by Jiminy, but it was like a slow heart rate. Mm. And it was me and my partner who was a captain and he had always worked rural. So, but she was, she was thrown up and she was, she was definitely sick. And, um, you know, we loaded her up and ran her hot to the, 
to the bigger hospital when she made it, but it was one of those, it was real scary for me. That was a real eye opener. It's like, Oh man, there's a lot of sick people out here and they can, they can all crash at any moment. That was one of the times where it really became real to me. It's like, okay, you know, like we got to step it up. I got to, not that I didn't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, it's important for me as an EMT to know what I'm doing and kind of learn about what my partner was doing. And it was a big, it was a big reason for me to go to medical school too. So, so what was, and then, how long were you an EMT before you went to, uh, to medical school? I was an EMT for about two years. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of, I, I worked for about, oh, I think I had my EMT license and I went and I, I worked for about like four months and then signed up in the next class. We've got a regional academy through um, a fire protection district, okay. um, Central Jackson County Fire Protection District has a fire and EMS academy. Um, and their EMS teaches both EMT and medic. So I took my fire, my EMT and my paramedic through there. And so, yeah, I kind of just went straight through and, um, I was actually in class. I had never really thought about working at Kansas city fire. And, um, I went through class with a bunch of those guys who were going through and getting their paramedic license. And, um, yeah, that's, I met those guys and they talked really highly about their job out there. Um, and it, you know, some of the calls they ran and I'm pretty lucky cause you know, even to this day, I see a bunch of guys who I went to class with, or one of, one of my instructors is actually at my station. Cool. Um, yeah, it was cool. So we'll talk, we'll talk every once in a while. We'll be like, Hey, you know, I remember I told him when I got there, I was like, man, I remember you teaching me. He was like, Oh yeah. He's like, I remember you. He's like, yeah, it was, it was a neat time. So hmm. it's kind of a change. So how, how long did it take you to get hired? So what did you have to do to get in? So you were working out, out in a rural area, and then you mm-hmm. decided you wanted to go to the city. So you guys have a test? Yeah. I actually had, um, after working, I was working at uh, the, it was called Sugar Creek Fire, and then uh, it was Lawson Fire. Okay. That's, they had the ambulance, and Sugar Creek was the fire, fire truck only spot. Okay. Um, and I was about... I was about, um, oh, I would just turn 21. I was about 21 and a half, and I had applied for a department in the area on the south side of our metropolitan area called uh, South Metro Fire. Okay. And it's a, it's a three station uh, department. They have yellow trucks. It's a fire district. Or something? Do what? They have yellow trucks. I think I just walked in. That that's Lee Summit. So South Metro is like right next to Lee Summit. Okay. So just a little south of it. Um, yeah. So I applied to South Metro and got hired out there. And I worked there for two years, about a year as an EMT and a year as a medic. Okay. And uh, Kansas City does, I believe, the hiring process is like every other even year. Okay. Um, and I just missed it when I got my medic for um, the firefighter paramedic process. Yeah. So then I waited my name got on the list and I waited and then they texted or they called me or sent me an email that they were hiring. Um, and there's kind of two processes. There's a process for EMTs and then there's a process for paramedics for Kansas city. The, the medic process was, was pretty simple. I went in for an interview. They had, um, like a professional development chief. They had an EMS chief, a fire chief, um, one of our uh, union representative, 
Um, and it was just a real basic, like, you know, this is, you know, this is just a pretty standard fire interview. Yeah. And then they had a real basic, like, rhythm interpretation. Mm. And then I waited a, a week and they called me and offered me a job and I was in academy after that. So you, you took, like, a civil service test before this, right? I, I did not. What? I did not. Um, Wait, so you didn't no, apply? The, Is that, how did they, so how did this apply? So you, you apply to them every other year. Yes. And then mm-hmm. if they so, like you, they give you an interview. And then from well, there. Well, the fi- So. Yeah. So the, the EMTs, if you apply that way to be a firefighter, yeah. if you just apply to be a firefighter, you go in and you take the civil service test. Um, mm. it, it's just the fire entrance exam or whatever. Okay. Um, and then you go in and you do like video interviews and then you go in to do chiefs interviews if you pass that. And then they, I think it's a randomized lottery number and then you go on the list that way. And then I think most classes are about 60 people, like 40 to 60 people. Okay. And so whenever your number comes up and the list is good for two years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you might be on a list of fast tracked with if you're a medic i guess yes yeah they definitely fast track medics out there or out here Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's i filled out the application and got the call so it's it was a very seamless process for me as a paramedic to get on out there and then oh sorry did you have to be a firefighter as well as like an emt and a like did you have to have your fire one and two kind of thing to even apply no, no. I just had to have a paramedic license. Mm. And what what Kansas City does is everyone goes through the Kansas City Fire Academy, regardless of if you come on the just the fire side or if you come on as a firefighter paramedic. Um, we all go through the same fire academy. We learn the Kansas City way to fight fire. Um, in the Midwest, we're considered a fairly aggressive fire department. So we've got a lot of um, guys in the academy who have a lot of time in the inner city and who see who those, you know, those are the guys who fought fire every day. And so when, you know, they got their time yeah. um, and they were, and they go in and they teach these, they, they teach our new guys coming out of Academy, you know, this is, this is how it works for our system. This yeah. is, this is why we do things this way. This is how you load hose. And it's kind of a mix of the fire one and two, but it's also a mix of um, the Kansas city way. Yeah. Hmm. So, Mm-hmm. Which is really nice. That's cool. Hold mm-hmm. So, hold on one sec. I have to. They're okay. fun sometimes. All right, so we so we <laughs> left off at uh at the academy. So you, so you guys actually okay. have like older people teaching you at the academy. We do. That's cool. we do. Yeah, we. Yeah, it's it's really neat. Um, we had a. I I know we were talking about this because I know we talked about your job and how you guys are under the FDNY, but you're a totally separate EMS division. Yeah. Well, about, I, I, I want to say it was about 10, maybe 12 years ago now, um, we had KCFD, which was the fire department side, and then we had what was called MASS, and they that was the ambulance service, and they covered uh, Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. Mm. Um, and they were, they were a quasi, I think they were a quasi-city system, uh, they had their own pension. They weren't under the fire department at all. Yeah. So what happened was Kansas City actually um, took over MAST. Uh, and when, when they did that, they absorbed everyone into the system. 
so um, you get your fireside from a bunch from from those guys, and then you go to our EMS and get oh, your EMS from there. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. so yeah. how long is the fire academy itself? Our fire academy is about um, four to five months. I I want to say okay. is what I did, and okay. I did I did five five days a week. It's 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 kind of it's kind of a paramilitary academy. Um, you know, we, we did the PT and we did the working out and you're a city employee. I mean, you get, you get paid and, uh, and everything like that while you go through that and you have your benefits and everything. Yeah. So, um, and they come in and they talk to you they, there's a couple of days you do your HR stuff. And then they also come in and talk to you about, um, you know, joining the union. Uh, we're, we're, uh, local 42, IFF local 42, actually, okay. uh, Tim Dupin's our president. Um, and they come in and talk to you about that and talk to you about, you know, representation and, and that kind of thing, just kind of squared away. So, yeah. so when you get out you kind of know, yeah. um, do you have to join a union? You don't have to, but it's, it's a good um, idea. we've got well over a 90%, uh, oh, okay. union yeah. membership rate in our department, I believe. Yeah. So, was the last number I heard. Okay. So we're we're fairly strong union. Um, yeah, and and they do a lot for us. So that's cool. So then you come out and they or they send you over to the EMS side. And how? What? So they teach you like your protocols and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, there's you know again there's two separate sides. There's the EMT side and there's a the paramedic side where um, I believe you know the EMTs do their uh, we call it OJT on the job training. Okay. You go ride with an you go ride, yeah. You go ride in the stations with an FTO. You run your calls and everything, and you got to get signed off. And then the paramedics do the same thing. Yeah. Um, mine was actually during their EMT class, so so yeah. So I was I was sent out to a station, and I got real lucky. I got to do a station in our midtown, kind of in our ghetto area. Yeah. Um, so. Th- Again, for me, coming from a suburban fire department in rural to going downtown to the ghetto where you're running shootings and stabbings was kind of an eye opener to me. Um, but it was real. It was a real neat. It was a real neat opportunity for me, and I had a really good FTO and I had a really good crew. Um, it's actually it's our station 35, um, and I was real thankful to go down there. Yeah. So, what did, what was mm-hmm. the difference between going to the fire academy on the outside and going to the Kansas City Fire Department Academy and, and EMS side. Is there anything like mm-hmm. difference-wise? You know, well, it gave you like a better beating while you were in the academy. Uh, so the academy I went to on the outside covered mainly the Fire One and Two stuff. Yeah. We've got the Missouri, uh, the Missouri State Fire Council, I believe, is or the Division of Fire, the Missouri State Division of Fire. Okay. And you know, you go through and you get your certifications through there, um, and then going through the Kansas City Academy is the same thing. You get your Missouri State Division of Fire. Um, I did because I came in with my certifications. Um, we we What they did for us was anyone who had certifications, they partnered us up with people who didn't have certifications. Okay. And um, we would do a lot of live burns and we would, we would kind of help the, the younger guy or the, the guys without the certifications on, you know, being in a fire because you know you've got five five instructors for like 40 guys yeah. you know they can't get every little thing yeah. so yeah. um and they gave me like a little they gave me a battle buddy or uh 
our partner for the academy. So we would check their packs every day. And um, I, again, I can't provide a lot on the EMT side. I don't yeah. really know how their EMT academy went, but for the fire side, that's that's kind of how yeah. everything went. That's um, a pretty good way to yeah. utilize the you know the folks you have in class, like as a resource. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've got. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well and we have a we've got a i believe it's a seven-story burn tower and we would we were doing burns up on the seventh floor because you know i know you guys are used to running high rises but kansas city's kind of the tallest city around you know our our metro area so there's a chance you come out of academy you get assigned to float down in the downtown district and you you've got to know how to fight a fire on the seventh floor yeah. versus you know just going into a house so yeah. we were doing burns up up on the floors uh stretching up that way kind of kind of stuff and it was really neat so i i finished i i graduated academy and my first assignment was uh, our district, our 106 district, which is kind of our midtown on the west side, okay. um, and I really enjoyed that. One of our big uh, nightlife areas is called Westport in Kansas City, um, and there's Power and Light too, which is a little north. But um, I worked in the Westport area, and and it was it was a lot of very urban EMS. You run a lot of homeless people. You see a lot of overdoses. You see a lot of people who are, you know, a lot of shootings, a lot of stabbings. There's a lot of drunk college kids who come out of that area, a lot of assaults, um, you know, and you still run the sick people in the nursing homes, too, and the sick people from home. But, you know, there's a hospital, literally, from, from the station I worked a lot at, there's a hospital, like, two blocks up the road. So you really hardly have time to get a line in or to start oh, your wow. report. You You basically had to start your report to the hospital when you were leaving the scene so mm-hmm. yeah and the guys down there were, were great they were all real chill and it was a big house we had uh 10 10 guys 12 guys out of that that station um and it was cool like you know meals were great um we would be out you would see a bunch of stuff that you know it, it was just really cool it was a really cool experience so How long and then from there, there i went to I was there about six or seven months. I okay. floated between about five stations. Um, and I would, like I said, I would, I was in the Westport area. Then I was in a little bit more of a ghetto area and then a nicer area. And I would kind of bounce back and forth between those, those four or five stations that were assigned. Is that so. pretty standard? Like folks who come out of the academy um, to get experience, you sort of move around a bit or? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you come out of Academy, um, what happens is you get assigned to, um, to a district to float and districts can be anywhere from four to six or seven stations. So you go up to that district and you go to the chief's house and you report there every, every shift. Um, and then they tell you where you're going to go and you fill spots until there's a vacancy that comes open and then you'll get assigned a vacancy and then you can you take one bump out of that vacancy. So someone with more time can bump you out of that spot, mm. and then you'll go to their spot. Wow. How many so, people call them districts, not battalions? Right? Uh, yeah, we've got we've got districts. Okay. Yes. How many districts so, do you have? 
we've got uh, we've got uh, seven districts. We've got 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, and 107, and 108. And I'm currently in 108, okay. so there's seven. All right. Mm-hmm. And you don't have divisions, so. right? Do what? Do you have divisions? So like, I think uh, it's like seven battalion. Was it like seven? What here? Yeah, I can't remember how many fire battalions make up a division. Uh, I don't that know. I, I'm like, yeah. that's the side of uh, yeah. of FD that I yeah, don't right. know. But there's um, so many weird I things. Think, I think we've got about, and they're kind of unofficial divisions. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't have the official name division, but okay. we have what's called the Northland. Midtown and out south. So I guess we kind of have three zones or divisions. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Like, but you can move between any three. You can bid any station, and there's you know all it is is changing the district, changing a station. So hmm. yeah, it's it's pretty nice. And then the way I know we kind of talked about it, the way our system runs when we took over the ambulances, we do a squad concept. So. Um, Basically, what it is is there's seven, there's uh, four firefighters, two or there's five firefighters and two para, firefighter paramedics assigned to a, a pumper company. Okay. And that pumper company also covers the ambulance in that station. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. So. All right. So, so you, you have an ambulance in the station, and there's five, six of you, right? Seven. seven. Uh, yes. Seven. Six, All right. So there's then two six. people switch over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Two people switch over, and then we, if if we're heavy a day, someone will get sent out. So you'll get you'll take a detail out of the station, or do you take take a detail across the floor if there's a truck in the house okay. or mm. a rescue in the house. Um, and then there's six riding for the day. So we run four on the pumpers and two on the ambulances. And then the ambulances switch it, switch it, uh, they do 12. So we start at 7 a.m. So you switch at 7 p.m. Cool. <clears throat> and once you get into a house, you get a rotation with the other guy you're working with. You yeah. guys jump over and do every other one. Um, I think some houses do, some stations do 24s. So like you'll be on the ambulance for 24 and then the next shift you'll be on the pumper. Um, and the rotation goes pretty well. Yeah. There was kind of some bumps along the road when that first came out, but, but um, there, it, it seems pretty seamless now. Mm-hmm. So. That's good too. Mm-hmm. You up all the time. So like you're to, yeah, you're see, secure to medic, like you're just stuck on, you know, you're stuck on the ambulance all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that's pretty common around here in the in the other uh, departments in the area that 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 are out here is you'll come on and you'll work on the ambulance, but you'll be a firefighter on the ambulance and you fight fire off the ambulance, whereas we don't fight fire off the ambulance. The four on the pumper do, and then you're uh, EMS standby. So so you're not yeah. yeah you're not required to do fire for that kind of twelve hours. No. That you're there. I mean, no. that's good, but most, kind most of, of us. I mean, if it's a good fire, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it stinks, you yeah. know, but like. Need the engineer, make that um, so. And it's. Most of us still take our gear over and stuff um, just because, or some guys do, some guys don't. I take mine over because, you know, for car wrecks and everything, getting yeah. in there, talking to a patient, stuff stuff like that. I like to have my gear with me. Um, that, that's, a, that's a personal thing, though. That's a personal preference thing. Mm. And it's um, a, ma- a medic and an EMT. Then is the 
uh, the ambulance crew. Yeah, we run. Yeah, we run. Our our ambulances are always a medic and an EMT. Um, and even if you're a, so like you can you can be a medic and end up in an EMT spot, but you're still the EMT for the day, or you're the medic for the day. So okay. that's that's kind of how there's always assigned. You've got, you know, obviously one driving and then one who's who's uh, taking the calls and writing the reports and everything. So it's gotta be nice but, having a second medic there, you know. So. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple stations. A couple guys from my class have gotten to spots where where they're an extra medic. But but yeah, when you run with your pumper, it's real nice. Um, most of our pumpers are real great about getting on scene, helping you get the cot out. Hmm. You know, carrying your bags in for you. Um, and nice. the way art, <laughs> I'm like that's lovely. It is, it's, it is well, um, also because they they do that themselves. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like they don't work EMS as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We we kind of try to take care of each other. Honestly, it's you know like when you see a guy who, who's on the ambulance and he's been up you know four or five times at night or you know he's been he got on the ambulance at seven and he just got back to the station at you know one or two and fell asleep and then gets up and you know you're running again with them. It 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 really helps them out to you know get that caught out for him, carry his bags. Or um, if if the pumper is ALS for us, the pumpers do the refusals. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Wow. So, and that's kind of unique for us is, and in my spot in particular at uh, Pumper 44 is being assigned an ALS pumper. If, if we get there and the patient's like, no, I don't want an ambulance, I don't, you know. I'll take a set of vitals. I'll go get my computer and I'll cancel the ambulance and be like, Nope, you guys are good. And they wow. get to go home and go back to sleep. That's so, so mm-hmm. does the pumper then, I mean, it comes on like certain priority calls or they come out on everything. We, uh, they'll come out. Yeah. They come out on, um, we've got, uh, five level calls. We've got the omegas, which is cardiac arrest, your shootings, um, stuff like that, like immediate life threats alphas alphas and uh betas which are your chest pain shortness of breath uh, i think we call them breathing problems um traumatic injuries stuff like that and then you've got charlie and delta which are like your sick and your unknowns um those are like your lower acuity calls um and you can you'll you'll get a pumper to your omega alpha and beta level calls and then charlie and delta generally the ambulance will run it by itself Hmm. but that's interesting so then like the pumper comes on these jobs and then they don't just kind of like you know okay you guys got it and they take off like they seem then to be hanging out um Mm -hmm. to help for much of the call that way if there was an rma or something right is that Mm -hmm. because i mean that's that's different you know than what we kind of experience like where you know the engine company um or the first responders they come on the same type of priority jobs but um unless we like you know specifically need them to stay for like hands for cardiac arrest or uh you know it's an mva and they have to like get the patient out they don't usually like to stick around you know i mean they may like if we have a, a patient who's aggressive or or like looks obviously ill, um, but for the mm-hmm. most part, that's you know once we're there, their job is done. Yep. So that's kind of nice mm-hmm. that you have more hands on. It is. You know, it is. It is help. It is. It has saved my butt on a couple occasions having another 
another medic there to help me, you know, get lines. Um, we'll get some really critical uh, respiratory patients. I'm sure you guys too, like right around the fall and the springtime. Yeah, it's starting up. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when we have to, for me, for me, respiratory calls, I tell, I tell all the EMTs I work with, I'm like, you know, man, I'm pretty cool and everything. I said respiratory, if it's a serious one, that's what I really get going on. Um, and it's always nice to have another medic there. We can get, you know, CPAP going. We can get IVs going, the cellumedrol going. We can get everything we need going. Um, but and it's, and it's also nice, too, you know, we've got a lot of split-level ranch homes around here. That's okay. like, I'd say, probably 80, 85% of the homes we run in my district is mm. split-level ranch. So we use a stair chair. Oh, wow. I, okay. Couple, couple two, three, four, or five times a day. Yeah. So it's nice having another set of, you know, you've got someone always backing you down the stairs so you're not falling, and it's a safety thing for us, too. So. That's, do you have the track stair safe. chair or an old-fashioned stair chair? Uh, most of them are track. Wow. Uh, we use, yeah. <laughs> so, and and that, <laughs> that really helps, too, so. Uh, we know nothing of this track life. I know. Yeah. So we were talking. Well, I was talking to this kid. He's in a, I think it's like Virginia Beach or something. And we put a picture up of a manual stretcher, and mm-hmm. he he commented. He's like, I've never used one of those or a stair chair without tracks. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. For us, you know, because we have obviously a lot of like taller buildings it's like rare that we take a stretcher out unless it's like a trauma on the street, yeah. like a, a gunshot wound or something or an arrest on the street. But, um, for the most part, we take our stair chair on every job and like we, mm-hmm. you know, I think we had that patient, was she on the fourth floor the other day that we had to carry her down? Like the one who was having trouble breathing. We, I think we gave her CPAP. Um, she was with her son. Oh, that! Oh, wow. Thank God she was only on the second floor. Oh, it was the second floor. But yeah, she I was like, <laughs> she was a bit. Maybe that's why I felt like it was the fourth floor. I was like, oh, I haven't, I hadn't carried anyone down in a while, you know. And and I was like, oof. <laughs> like by the time we got to the bottom, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm glad this is over, you know, because uh, it's yeah. just you know manually like we're lifting and hoisting and walking downstairs. And you guys have power stretchers, I'm guessing. Uh, we've got, yeah, there's the power stretchers. Um, and we just ordered new ambulances they are supposed to be in in the next year and they're going to have the auto loaders too, which those are, if you've ever used those, those are a back saver. So yeah. those what, are really, what you got really the Fernos or the strikers? We've got the strikers. Yeah. We were demoing the Ferno and the mm-hmm. striker. We have the Ferno right now. Oh no, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. They they drop the it? ball. Aww. I love Furnos. Now I've heard they yeah they I uh, no it's just too heavy. I I've heard the older ones are pretty light and real easy to get around. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah our, is that true? Yeah, yes. we love yeah. it. I mean, it's funny because actually the last week we've been yeah, in an older truck, yeah, um, and we've had like the Furno manual stretcher, and it's like. Like, you take it out. We had a gunshot, you know, the other day, and it was, like, so easy to just, like, grab it quickly, get it out on the scene. And we were like, oh, wow. Like, like this is so nice. Because the <laughs> yeah. the Ferno, um, it's just, it's super cumbersome. Yeah. It's, like, 200 pounds. And, you know, usually the way we'll work a gunshot wound is, like, one of us will kind of, like, go to the scene, and the other one, like, grabs the stretcher and the oxygen or whatever. Um, 
mm-hmm. it's like to try to have one person grab this stretcher is like not I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but it's like genuinely it's not not easy. Yeah, it's for me it's like I end up having to turn it sideways to direct it. It's I find it very yeah. challenging to work with. So And then the, the yeah. other truck they have that the whole arm thing with the striker. And I think we get that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll yeah, get, we that get that in a few week. weeks. So I'm looking forward nice. to that. Oh, a lot of people have liked the stretcher, uh, the striker one. So, yeah. you know. It's sad. Now, I, I've, got, mm-hmm. I've got a question for you. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of the uh, – I've used the Zoles and the – well, we use the Zoles right now. And I think the pictures you showed me, they've got, you guys use the Philips, is that correct? Yes, yes the MRX. The monitors? Yep. How do you guys – how do you guys like the Philips, or have you guys had any experience with anything else? Uh, we used to have Life Packs. Yeah, I've used Life Packs. And uh, I've only used the Philips and, and the Life Pack. Yeah, that's all I've used too. I've never yeah. used Azoles, um, but gotcha. I liked I liked Life Pack. Maybe that's because that's what I learned on. I thought it was like pretty easy to use, and the MRX mm-hmm. is also really easy to use. It's just yeah. like some of the functions, like with Pacer or whatever, I feel like you have to kind of be like, oh yeah, how do we do that again? Yeah. And it's like the two of you are trying to like figure out how to get capture and all this stuff. But um, but honestly, it's a good machine. I mean, it's it's like really, okay. you know, we've been using it for a couple of years now at the fire department. We so. can't break it, so it must be good. Yeah, I mean, this so. thing's like falling out of the truck. <laughs> like it's it's really heavy duty. It's I think it's good. I I don't know. I mean, I hear like people who use the Zoles like it. I. I have no, I like don't even know what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I've never seen one in person, which is so weird. <laughs> like, but mm-hmm. you know, you like the Zoles then? I do. I like the Zoles. You can watch in real time your 12 lead. Um, I mean, it's not as accurate as printed out on paper, but <clears throat> you can sit, excuse me, you can sit there and watch changes happening if you've got STEMI patient or if yeah. you you know, if they're chest pain and they're presenting every way and yeah. then you put them on the 12 lead and you don't see any elevation, you can sit there and you can watch it, and then if it, you know, if it pops up, you can change it from there, kind of thing. Oh, so, so you can leave it on the twelve lead and just monitor it. Yeah. The whole time. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, and that's really nice. And it's it's small and it's light. Yeah. Uh, it's light too. The only thing is, it prints out the top, and the paper's hard to change. Yeah, but, that's what I heard. Um, somebody told me that. That's like their only complaint. Is yeah, yeah. You gotta take the blood pressure cuff out. Take your four lead out take your pole socks out and then not not unhook it but take it out of its, its bag and get in there and pull the little paper thing down and, huh. and slide a new one up and it's a pain so especially if you have to do it while you're going to the hospital bouncing down the road yeah. you forgot. <laughs> that's i know that's one thing the mrx the the paper is like super easy it's like you, you don't even on? like yeah that's it's like you literally, I mean, it just pops in and out. Like there's nothing. It's not, It's like easier than a toilet paper roll. Like literally you don't even have to like spin it on to anything. It's like super easy. <laughs> so that's one nice thing. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. So, um, okay. I got another question for you guys. This is kind of a, this is kind of a thing with me because um, I'm, I'm an FTO out here. Um, and even, even because I'm on a pumper, I don't see a lot of, a lot of, new students but um how how do you guys think what for you guys is the best way to you know get those new emts like i said i know you guys have a lot of listeners who you know are medics or whatever across the nation i'm sure i don't have this i'm sure i'm not the only one with this question but 
what's a, what's a good way for you guys to get those new EMTs or new medics to come out to get them trained up? Like what's, what's, what's the way to get them prepared for working on the street, especially in a busy system? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good one. Uh. Yeah, that's, that's something I've kind of been going back it's and tough, forth like, with. You have to motivate, you have to want to be in, you have to want to be in it. You know what I mean? Like I find, mm-hmm. I notice a lot of people, you know, everybody wants to be a firefighter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the good thing about being on the ambulance and a fire truck is that on the ambulance, you're going to get to go into more people's houses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you're going to get to learn the district a lot quicker and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But motivates them. that's i'm just I, really into my job i know, you know? I, so if you're not into it yeah. you're gonna get into it with me or i'm yeah. just gonna annoy you enough that you're gonna want to move I know. so because we're gonna buff we buff hard so but i think that is uh it's funny because i think you know peter and i are like different personalities because when i first started ems i wanted to do it but i don't even know if i would say i was shy but um Nobody that I like when I came to Brooklyn, everybody would say things like, Where are you from? Like, I got Canada, England, which I don't think I have an English accent, or definitely the Midwest. And like, I was like, Nope, I'm from here. Like, I grew up here because I was quiet. And like, I sort of, for me, I like to learn and listen. And, you know, it it was like I didn't want to just kind of like jump in there. And um, so it took, for me, a little more coaxing. Um, I just needed, like, I thought, like, a lot of um, patient one-on-one, you know? I think, like, having my my yeah, mentors... Think if, I think your preceptors into the job. Yeah, you know, and... contagious. Uh-huh. And know, I, like, I had yeah. good preceptors. I mean, I did. Yeah. I had, like, two good preceptors who were um, really fast, really good, like, really had been doing this for a long time. And, um, and like... I think that they kind of at a certain point, you know, stood back a lot more and just like let me take the lead, which I I struggle with. Honestly, when we have students on the ambulance, I think Peter is better at that. Like he really like lets people do things that I'm like stepping all over them, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's one of those things. But I, I, you know, everybody learns differently. So I guess it kind of depends on your student. But um, mm-hmm. if you see that someone's like shy, you sort of need to make them less shy shy. yeah unshy yeah so they have to kind of take the lead and that's that's really the only way you'll feel less shy is by actually talking to human beings in vulnerable situations you know um yeah yeah i i understand and i asked that question because um i i know you and i have kind of taught or you guys and me have kind of talked about it about you know we're seeing medics medic shortages across across the nation right now you know there's not many people coming out into the trade field i see that changing eventually um they're kind of starting to push that more but you know there's there's not that many medics and emts coming out right now and we really got to do more with less as a as a national ems system and it's you know and and pete you said it best like a lot of guys get into this um they they want to be firemen uh they want to be firemen, and EMS is a secondary thing. I think it's really important if you're in a system that runs both. You need to, you know, we take firefightership and, you know, firemanship, and we're like, this is a skill, this is a craft. Yeah. 
and any EMS of the craft too. You got to care about both. Yeah, I agree with that. And the the other thing, you know, is I think that we undervalue EMTs. Uh You know, and everybody wants all these medics. You know, we need medics, we need medics. But if you have a really good, well-seasoned EMT crew, they can do just as much as paramedics. Yeah, Uh I, I agree. I mean, I feel like maybe because the system that, you know, we work in is very busy. Um, but we have some excellent EMTs at our station and just in the, in the area in general. Um, and I think when you know your stuff, like as BLS, um, especially in our system where like we're not going 30 minutes to a hospital, you can do some real value and add some real value to that call if you know how to be a good EMT, especially on like trauma jobs. I mean, that's that's life-saving stuff. I mean, it's basic life support. How how many jobs you do on a daily basis that really need paramedic work? Yeah, you know, we do a lot of nonsense, you know, and for lack of a better word. Like a really sick trauma job, what are you doing? They don't need you, they need a surgeon. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. And that, yeah. I told you guys yesterday, I I ran probably 10, 11 calls between the fuller day, but 10, 11 calls between the 24 hours on the ambulances I was on. And I didn't start, not, I didn't start an IV. I didn't even pull the stuff out, you know, and it's, I agree. I think, you know, well, it's, it's a lot easier for people to want to get in and be an EMT than it is to be a paramedic. And, yeah. and I agree. I think it's a underutilized skill that, um, I know our system is starting to look at running BLS boxes, and yeah. I think that, uh, like, uh, Milwaukee runs BLS ambulances, and, you know, there's some other places doing that, yeah. and I think I think it's a, I think it could be a real help, you I know, think, take the load off of the medics. Yeah. Exactly. And, and um, we were just talking about this. You know what the real, uh, we're going to get in trouble for this one. It's about yeah. the money. You know, know, if you really come oh. down to it, you can't bill as an AOS-1 assignment you know Mm -hmm. i i mean i feel like that a lot like we do um you know like we were talking about this the other night i think when we mentioned how you know we we got a job for an unconscious like halfway across the borough and we got assigned bls as a backup because we were coming from a distance and then when we got there the patient was an intox gentleman and um Mm -hmm. the one emt was like a little annoyed that we kind of waited for them but the reality was, like, that's not a job that needs ALS and certainly doesn't need it, you know, require an ALS bill or anything like that. But, you know, that aside, like, a person who had a bad accident or a fall and broke their arm, um, you know, I mean, like, unless you're giving pain management, which, like, you're not always doing, uh, I mean, you know, they can be immobilized and splinted and comfortable. And that's a BLS ambulance, and that's a BLS job. But because you have a medic on that that job, now you get to times, you know, bill for that. It falls back on the medic too, you know, because the medic's there. Yeah. And I've worked in an EMC medic system, and it falls back on the medic. Like, oh well, I'm gonna splint the person, you know, because for whatever reason, you know, the EMTs don't want to step up or or something. Well, they fall back. To yeah, the medic. that's I think. I know for me, when I first became an EMT, I worked in a system where it was medic EMT, and that was like when I worked upstate New York. And I would definitely say that my skills as BLS were not impressive, you know? Like, and I think that yeah. truly, because like the real jobs, quote unquote, like the ones that, you know, even trauma, 
like the medic always just it kind of like by default went to the medic and so I really didn't feel that um skillful like I didn't feel that confident in that system because we always deferred to the medic to like sort of run the show for like anything that was like not obviously you know like unquestionably BLS um and so when I got to the fire department and it was like I just had an EMT partner and I will say like the first couple of months I felt like nervous like almost like when are the medics going to get here and help us and then eventually I I felt like oh um I understand this more and like I I don't know to me I didn't feel as nervous and I didn't feel you know that kind of lack of confidence that I had when my partner was the person that I always deferred to so I don't know having yeah. two EMTs like makes them almost um better at BLS because they have to be you know yeah yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that I think for us a lot of times I mean it, in my in my in my system too you know it it's it goes back to liability too you know a lot of it comes down to you know your name's on the your name's on the ticket you're the highest license on scene you know you make a bad call it's on you you know whereas you know and I know guys are going to try to protect you but it's you know it's tough and I think it's something nationally we need to look at you know seeing seeing using more using our EMTs more as as, as what they are not just stretcher grabbers yeah, and that's, yes. and a lot of people say you know and I we have a lot of EMTs that follow us and 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 listen to us, you know, and ask us questions. And they're they're just as important as a paramedic. I think they're more important than a paramedic because you have to be a really good EMT to be a good medic. So yes, they they can make or break your call depending oh, yeah. on. I mean, I'm sure you guys have worked with EMTs that you you roll up and it's just it it it's a circus mm-hmm. and and every mm-hmm. everything that can go wrong on the call yeah. can. Yeah. It, it does, and or you roll up and you've got a good EMT and you're confident in them, and it's it could it could be it could be the worst call imaginable, and it just it goes yeah. smooth. I absolutely better. have yeah. EMTs that when they show up on like a job, I'm happy to see their faces, and I'm glad it's like one mm-hmm. of you know the EMTs that I know, and um and like you can tell who knows what they're doing, you know, like we had a, a shooting one time where um, this crew that backs us up came on the job, but the I mean, the girl who was on the job was new at the time to our station, and now she's been there for a while. But right away, I I remember thinking, like, hmm, oh, she, like, knew what to do, like, really well. And so later, because I didn't know if she was new to our service or just new to our station, I think when we got to the hospital, um, I asked her, I was like, where did you work before this? And she was like, oh, I worked up in Harlem. So she had been BLS for a while, and I was like, that's why. I was like, you were very confident and, like, really smooth on that job, you know, because it was obvious, Uh like, she was a good EMT. You know, it was, like, obvious that she knew how to, like, you know, deal with that scene that was pretty chaotic. There was a ton of people screaming and freaking out, and um, that's it. You know, like, good BLS is a necessity for us as medics. They make us look good, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah, that's true. There, I mean, I almost always put an EMT on airway management. I mean, if I I can, you know, I mean, it's – we drop a lot of gels around here, our cardiac arrest protocol – we, we use the eye gels, um, and it's, you know, it's easy. They can drop them. So half the time when we get there, and if we're running with a different pumper or something, if I'm if I'm on an ambulance running in another district, you know, they'll have a they'll have an eye gel in, and they'll be bagging That's the patient awesome. by the yeah. time we get there. And yeah. yeah. So what can your EMTs do over there since they can put eye gels in? 
they could they could drop the eye gels. Okay. They can do sugars, uh, oral glucose, oxygen. Um, I don't think we've got aspirin for them in our protocols. Oh wow! Okay. I don't I don't think that's in our protocols. But um, and then they run. Um, we're we're just starting up the. Well, we've been doing it for a while, but they they'll take. Um, and not, and, and it's not all of them that can do this, but you got to take a class and you got to go get BLS qualified is what we call it. Um, basically it's a report writing class, uh, to learn how to write reports and they can take BLS transfers. Um, and they're working on a protocol for us in the future for, um, 911 transports, you know, the medic checks them out and they're BLS patient. And so we can, we can let them take the call. Oh, so you turf it. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's our word. Like, yeah. So wait. So all right. Perfect. Yeah. So what we call it like a ninety-four or triage. You do triage it back to the BLS. So if you go on a, yeah. on a regular call, can you let the EMTs ride it in, or the EMT always has to drive? No. Right now they always have to drive. Oh wow. So, wow. Huh. Unless you're on overtime on a BLS car and you're just running transfers, taking people back home, kind of thing. So. So do your fire guys. So Kansas City Fire, they bring people home from mm-hmm. the hospital too. We've we've got a I believe it's a city ordinance that says Kansas City Fire is the only one that can transport from within the city limits mm-hmm. from the hospitals within city limits from so, the hospital or, to somebody's house. Yeah, so we do all that. That's one of the kind of the downsides is we do we do transfers out of out of our hospitals. Um, so we'll take people from our smaller acuity hospitals to our higher level acuity hospitals. Um, we'll do about two or three of those a day. Okay. But it, but it, it, it's neat because sometimes you see things that you wouldn't see in a normal, you know, yeah. in a normal 911 system. Yeah. You'll get a lot of vent patients. I was lucky before I got on Kansas City. Um, I was on. You know, I was still in a 911 bus, but we did transfers out of our, um, out of our, one of our smaller acuity hospitals in the area, South Metro. So I was a brand new medic less than a year on learning how to run a vent and having to vent patients and having to do, uh, drip rates and everything, you know, Mm. propofol and it was different. So that's interesting because I mean, we only do, we do what what they call stat transfers. And that's mm-hmm. only from our local hospital, because our city hospital going to, from like Brooklyn to Manhattan, um, or to Bellevue, from Woodhall Hospital, like Bellevue. But other than that, like... Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I've i only done separate... one um, ever in my career, and it wasn't really? even... Yeah, I, well, I didn't even do that. I think I did one where we took a firefighter home. Like, there was a firefighter who got... Um, wedged between like a cab and the fire engine like a couple years ago uh, mm-hmm. and he, I think it was that job and he was going home from one of the hospitals and so we took him by ambulance um, I guess you know oh, the fire department wow. arranged it yeah. but like that's I I would say like that's out of really the thousands of calls have, like, yeah, yeah we just go guys. to the hospital we don't ever do away from the hospital yeah. you know that's interesting yeah it's different. Uh, we're we're very lucky. We've got a really good medical director that has came in in the past few years. Um, Dr. Erica Carney, uh, she's our medical director. She works at Truman, which is like our city hospital. Um, they they give us the shooting, a lot of the shooting, stabbings, that kind of stuff. 
and she, she for our medical director she's very good um if i see her you know like you can go up and ask her a question you can talk to her she gave us you know her email and her number came in and talked to us during our ojt yeah. and she's also she's also working with the hospitals um and working with our fire department to um kind of change some of the things to kind of lighten the load on our 911 ambulances and yeah. kind of get more of the transfer side going so mm, okay. yeah what kind so of that's cool real stuff? Helpful. can you guys what kind of stuff do you carry on your you guys do rsi or anything like that or not yet no we don't do rsi um we've got uh, fentanyl and versed those are our two meds we give so very basic frontline stuff um and ever said you know we use it we use it for combative patients we get a lot of uh pcp uh a lot of synthetic mm. stuff that comes through um so you know there's times that that does come in real handy a lot of psych patients um who get combative um and then um you know, we've, we've got the innovation and we've got the eye gels and then we've got the zone monitors. So it's a, it's a very basic system, but I mean, you know, we're effective, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, I'd say I, I pull meds, you know, once, twice a month, probably, mm-hmm. you know, probably more if I get details to an ambulance a little bit more. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, just with the high, the, the sheer number of calls we run, we probably rotate through our stuff very, very frequently. So, how much how much verse had you given to uh, your excited, excited delirium patients? <laughs> uh, we're doing we do five. Oh we wow, five IM. So I think we get, Yeah, we do five IM, and huh. then our max is ten, and then you can call for orders. So, man, and then you know how much? Yeah, our how much <laughs> ten to start? I know. But you get 10 to start? 10 I am, yeah, but it's, I gotta say, it's wow. not. I think it's a little heavy-handed. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. Really? Because there's been some. Do they let you guys, do they let you guys titrate, like, you know, you don't have to start at 10, you can start no. a little lower? <laughs> no. Oh, Just start at 10, that's it. Yeah, 10. We are very. Which is not, I don't know. I, I think it's a little heavy-handed. And yeah. then you'll go to the hospital, and you'll bring them in the week. You gave how much for a mm-hmm. No, I'm going to fucking tube them. Yeah. And they do. They, <laughs> they, 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 they often too. tube them, which yeah. then is like, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah. It's, and it, it, you brought up, it sounds like you guys tube quite a bit of people, which is, you know, with the eye gels around here, we, we really aren't tubing people that much anymore. Um, I don't know what the national trend is on that or, or what mm. the trend is. We've had fairly good luck with the eye gels, but that's something that, um, what kind of, I mean. Yeah, our alternate what, what kind of, is not great. Yeah, it's a, uh, what is it? Tube. Yeah, combi tube. Oh. Um, I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we're still yeah. with that. I mean, listen, we have a big system, and if they try to change, how many size eye gels do you carry, right? Because I've never even you know, We carry, yeah, we carry... We carry, we carry pediatric. I think we've got six or seven eye gels. Yeah, so um, all that for all them, plus the tube. Plus the training. Yeah. So I know it's a lot, and yeah. that's probably why they don't switch it up. Um, because for us, it's like mm-hmm. we have tubes or combi tubes. And Do you have the colored ones that look like dildos? My God, I know the eye gels. The eye gels definitely look a little weird. They also they do they, they do, do right they, they have like female they body do. part yeah. looking tops yeah it's but, like uh, this little 
Yeah, it's this little floppy tube, and it. Yeah. yeah, they're they're really cool. The iGels are are nice. I, I've used them. I've pulled one and tubed some one before off of it. Mm. Um, and I've actually heard. I've heard it. Who was I talking to? I was talking to someone, and they said it was a medic from Medac. So on the Kansas side, okay. there's a more advanced. Um, they run that. You know. It's it's a it's a nice area, so they've got a lot of they've got a lot of really nice stuff. But this medic who I was talking to the other day, I was actually talking to him about you know Russian less and telling him about you know hey you know this is this is a cool thing you gotta check out if you've got you know whatever social media. Oh, we're I was like, and, <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we're sitting there and we're talking at this at this uh, Halloween get together and and we're yeah. And I was telling him about the eye gels and everything. And he's like, yeah, I've used them. He's like, did you know if you drop an eye gel, you can drop a bougie right down the eye gel tube, pull the eye gel, and then drop a tube down. And he's like, you don't you don't necessarily have to use your laryngoscope, but mm. you can if you, it visualizes the tube. So it was, it was just, it's really neat, you know, talking yeah. to other people who use similar stuff. And, yeah. you know. Yeah, we don't have the bougie. <laughs> yeah. You have bougies there or no? We do. We oh. we have bougies. I really like the bougies. I, um, I like the I like the stylets too, but the bougies are very very nice. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I think I only, those, yeah, we have a friend out. He's in California, and he swears mm-hmm. by the bougie. Yeah. Well, I've seen it used like <laughs> swears by. I think thing. when I went through the academy, they had one for like to demo for us kind of thing, but we don't you know we don't use it. So I I've never. Maybe I did it once, you know, in the academy as like a, hey, put this, you know, let's do our hands-on little demo. But um, I don't know. It's one of those things like it's foreign. It's a foreign concept <laughs> to There's us. So cool stuff yeah. out there. I know. You know. Like some people like all the cool stuff. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I think I eye gels would be really nice, honestly, to have. I'm dropping the yeah. tube, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, but I mean, even for BLS, like yeah. – and you're, I mean, Peter's good with tubes. Like, I, I feel like he's pretty confident. Even when we had, like, our COVID patients and they had, like, soup in their, like, gullets and you couldn't see you anything. COVID. I was just talking to somebody from um, Miami Township in Ohio, and he was asking mm-hmm. about how your COVID patients are looking. Because apparently they're getting, he was saying something about they're getting COVID patients like we had in March that were blue. Yeah. And with, like, 50% pulse oxes and they're still conscious and apparently they're getting those now and ours is all like super mild ours ours are very mild i know some guys have ran i've ran it more i've noticed just listening to the radio we're we're running more cardiac arrests right now Hmm. and i i'm I'm wondering if that's from the pandemic going on Hmm. um it's one it's one of those things and you know we've got my first stint has like seven nursing homes in it. So they're sending they're sending out they're sending out two, three, four COVID patients at a time. So we're seeing quite a bit of COVID up mm-hmm. here. Um, you know. Luckily, you know, I'm sure some places are fighting for the PPE. We've got we've got the PPE we need and we're we're real thankful for it. But um yeah, I haven't I haven't had a serious COVID patient yet. So knock on wood. I know. But, no, but yeah. I'm gonna well, we knock think on about wood. The COVID is you know, you get to practice your tubes. Like hardcore, like we yeah. were still intubating people through COVID, unlike oh really? Yeah, we're, well, it, I think early on, like there wasn't really a pro, like a protocol in place. People were so confused, and 
you know, you'd see these people in like respiratory distress, which was, you know, they were nearly arresting. And um, mm -hmm. on top of that, you know, they'd have sats in the 70s or 60s. So it just seemed like, all right, we're going to have to tube these folks. Um, and mm -hmm. also we had a million cardiac arrests. But, you know, and then later, yeah. I guess they figured, oh, actually, these folks, if you put them on like really high con oxygen and, you know, like kind of put them in different positions and all this other stuff, it was actually more beneficial for them because, you know, they didn't often do well with the tubes, I guess. But, you know, this was yeah. like you're treating what you're seeing and it looked pretty bad, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I know for us, um, we we have we don't we haven't tubed recently. Like they kinda they came down and told the medics they're like, Listen, try not to tube if you if you don't have to. Like they're mm. I, I think they even said do don't tube unless it's extenuating circumstances yeah. because we've got the eye gels yeah. and we've got good CPAPs and we've I've really noticed like they said the we've CPAP, used our CPAP actually makes them worse. Oh really? A true COVID, yeah. So we found the uh, it makes them worse, and also if you keep them, you want to do like a low Fowler's. They actually do better like that. The weirdest. Really? Yeah. yeah, you know, like normally you have a, a you patient like nice in respiratory distress. They don't want you to lie them down. You yeah. know, they want to sit up straight. Um, the folks with COVID actually did worse when they were sitting up straight. Oh wow! It's, yeah. it's wow. weird. Bro. It's so weird. Like if if it really gets crazy, it'll, it, it'll be a dad. You'd look. see like they'd be laying flat in their bed, and they'd be like. You know, I mean, they'd be like maybe uncomfortable and that's why their family called. But for the most part, they're laying mm -hmm. flat and like they're breathing maybe a little rapidly. But once you would put them in a stair chair and carry them down like a flight or two of stairs, suddenly they'd go into mm -hmm. this like awful, you know, sort of like respiratory situation. But I mean, like yeah. Pulmonary yeah, but it's thankfully, I mean, yeah. knock on wood, we haven't had patients that bad this yeah. year yet. So. Or, I mean, it's, yeah. it has been this year. It just hasn't been this fall, I guess. Let's hope it stays yeah. that way. Are you guys trying to, um, for for your COVID patients, are you, are you leaning more towards, I mean, I know obviously clinically you treat the patient. If they need to go, they need to go. But if you get like that sick level call and they are COVID positive, are you trying to lean more towards the education of, hey, it's probably best to stay home and not, you know, ride your COVID out and then cause things get worse? Or are you taking, are yeah. you, are you we seeing, did trying that. to take those people? No, so. no. Like, I mean, last March, April, it was like, I mean, pretty much eight out of 10 patients we yeah. weren't taking to the hospital yeah. because, because people would listen no. to reason that. Yeah. You know, that well, that was the thing too. That. They were, some people thought they might've been sick or weren't even sure if they were positive. But then they're like, well, I, is there any hospital that doesn't have COVID? And you're like, no. <laughs> like they had the comfort yeah. ship. That doesn't like, exist. Yeah, so many people ask, like, what about the comfort, comfort ship? Like, or what? like Jacob Javits Center. I'm yeah. like, no, that's not a, like a thing, yeah. you know? Like, And um, so, yeah, most people weren't going. And, I mean, we even had patients who are made who were pretty sick. Like we had one woman who had pneumonia. She'd gone to the hospital, been treated for it. And was COVID positive, and then she still RMA'd, and then we went back like two days later for the same woman because obviously it just didn't get any better, and she was like super feverish and everything. But um, mm -hmm. but now, I mean, it's like people who are testing positive are kind of like yeah. more mild. I don't know. It's more just like a, a chest cold or bronchitis. It's looking like I don't you know yeah. I don't know if it's gonna get worse. You know. 
but I don't know what yeah. we had last year or last March, you know, compared to what we yeah. have now, but it's quite different. So what is, is. what's the like biggest kind of calls that you, that you do over there? Ooh, biggest kind of calls. Um, we honestly, we get, we get, we get a really good mix of kind of everything you get. You get some patients who are just not really sick and who don't really need the hospital but want to go, and there's no talking them out of it. And and you, I mean, and we do. We we got a lot of cardiac arrest right now. We run a lot of psych patients, um, especially right now. Uh, we run a lot of combative patients too. So you know, you always got to be really careful and being on your game with that. Um, like uh, last night, I mean. And, you know, we go with the cops a lot. They, you know, they call us quite a bit. And that that always turns into a very interesting deal. Uh, I think this guy last night, he was he was drunk and he wrecked his car into some guy's, some guy's yard and ran from the cops and got tased. And oh then, you know, he's John with the cops the whole time and, you know, cussing us all out and everything. Yeah. And then, you know, so I... Did your cops charge him with a DUI? That is the question. I believe they did. They had a DUI officer. Oh, that's good. Left. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't really play around out here with, with too much of that. Like that's good. Yeah. You'd be amazed yeah. at the stuff that they're like, we didn't see anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you can take out like a whole neighborhood of cars. And they're like, oh, you have chest pain. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's... We see some we see some jail items out here. We definitely do yeah. quite a bit. I'd say our inner city ambulances are running to the jails a couple times a day. Yeah, most of them. So, so um, when you say downtown or like the downtown mm-hmm. district, like what I think of is like the financial area, or you know, like where city yeah. hall is. Is that what downtown is yeah. in Kansas City? Yeah, yeah. Our downtown is. Uh, there's a big financial district. You get all your, um, you've got your 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 tall buildings. There's our Sprint Center down there, which is our like entertainment center. We've got the Kaufman Center Performing Arts in that area. We've got the World War One memorials in that area, um, and the river. So the river separates um, the Northland from the Southland. Okay. So like it all stops. There's like a riverfront, and there's a river market area, which is really cool. You can go get fresh food. Yeah. And then the downtown area, just south of that. And then you've got Power and Light, which is one of our real big, um, our our real big bar areas. And, you know, they've got it's it's like a it's like a like a oval or a U shaped um, just bars with a big center open area that's that's all covered. So can go down there and once you get in you can walk from bar to bar to bar to bar kind of thing um you they were a lot of calls out there too um and then south of that you've got like some of like your residential like high like commercial residential stuff your apartment building um and then you've got westport that's the area that i was in there's another bar area yeah. and then south of that you've got your real high-end home that's called brookside and waldo and then it's it's like mid-range home so it's kind of like a from what you guys were telling me it's like a smaller version of the borough okay. your boroughs all like scrunched into one yeah so, which is nice i mean I'm and then sure... up north 
<laughs> sorry i was like it, it sounds then you know you probably do get like a lot of different type of calls which is a good thing you can and we're our ambulances are all gps tracked and um so you can go if you end up going to the city like i was up north at the airport yesterday um there we've got a station at inside the airport uh KCI, and then we've got stations just outside the airport with an ambulance. Um, and I, I, that was the one I got detailed to on the front half. And so, but I mean, you can take a patient from there and go down to the city and drop them off for some reason or whatever. And you might end up going from running real rural in our area to the next thing you know, you're downtown running calls, or they'll pull you down to fill in at, at some of the midtown stations. And then, you know, you're running. You're running Gandy's and the same thing right from there. So yeah. you can you can run you can run a little bit of everything in the same day. So do you guys try to go to like different hospitals to see how far you can get? <laughs> <laughs> Some guys do. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, we, we kind of try to take people wherever they want to go. Um, I'm kind of big on you know this is a 911 service. I'm not gonna I'm gonna take you to the closest I can. I'm not, I don't try to bypass like five or six hospitals to get to the one hospital. I'm like, you can, we've got these two, like you can go to one of these unless they've got an extenuating circumstance and then, you know, but we've got a lot of people. I don't know how it is up up with you guys, but we've got a lot of people with hospital preferences that, you know, they want to go. My family died at that one. Did they tell you that too? Yeah, they didn't treat me good. They didn't. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, well, I, I'll understand that. Yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll go to a different one. But but yeah, the normal sick people who who don't have a preference. I'm like, all right, well, here you go. Here's the closest. We're gonna go. The yeah, closest, I feel like so. we do a lot of you know, like if we are picking up like a homeless person who maybe was like intoxicated or whatever. You know, we're just going to go to, the, like, the closest one to where we are, pretty yeah, much. You don't go far with that. Yeah, you're not, you know, going to spend 20 minutes driving out of your area. But there's, like, there's people who, you know, moved from one borough to another, and they're like, oh, I only go to this hospital, or that's where all my records you are. Do you do bum relocation? You ever do that? Peter, this is, it's not a nice thing. Do what? Thing. Bum relocation. Bum relocation. Basically, like, <laughs> so where, guy, yeah, like, the homeless. The homeless guy who keeps calling and calling and calling. You take them to like the other yeah. side of the city. But yeah. that, and I yeah. feel like that's, does yeah, that. but, they, okay, so there are like obviously circumstances that might warrant such a thing. Like, you know, someone who, like we had this one woman who would literally like come out of one of our hospitals locally, like this mm-hmm. hospital called Wyckoff Hospital. And then she would call from right across the street from the hospital. And she absolutely yeah. refused to go back to that hospital. And that's like. Either you can just fight with this person and, and be like, all right, well, uh, we're not leaving this area because you just came from that hospital. Or you can just say, all right, then we'll go to wherever. And, like, you end up going to, you know, bypassing, like, five or six hospitals, like, trying to see, like, all right, well, you'll have to figure it out then. You don't want to go to this place. You'll go to the next place. But, you know, this is probably frowned yeah. upon in, like, the yeah. scheme of things. Um, I think there's... I think there's a way to balance that. Um, and, and, you know, as much as I say, you know, I like to go to the closest or, you know, we're 911 ambulance. This is, we're, you know, we're not doing the, we're not trying to take, yeah, you take a road trip. Bypass hospital. 
Yeah, there, I think there's a way to balance that, too. You know, I think compassion goes a long way yeah. with with the homeless. Um, I, and a big thing for me, and I'd encourage all of your listeners to do it, medics or EMTs, is like, I always talk to them. I'm like, you guys got a caseworker? You know, how can you get in contact with your caseworker? You know, have you ever, we've got the City Union Mission, which is our homeless shelter. Mm. Like, you know, you know, you need a, have you, have you looked at here? How can you get off the street? You know, like there's, there's some people who, you know, they live there and that's, that's what they want to do. And they're, yeah. you know, but I'd say most of the time, you know, talking to them, they're like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to my caseworker. I'll do this thing or I'll do that thing or I'll, I, I need to go check this out. So and that Ooh. helps out a lot. But that, yeah. that, that's, that's what keeps you from getting burned out. Yeah. Too. Like we you have, I mean? um, like, yeah. Apparently yeah. there's like, I don't know, there's supposed to be some outreach that kind of like makes their way around the city. And I think NYPD was supposed to be yeah. part of well, that. The, but I we, yeah, we ended number. up just getting like the direct phone number yeah. for, you know, whoever this homeless outreach was. So like we've had patients that, um, you know, we've picked up and like uh, they probably need help. And like, you know, we say like, do you need somewhere to go tonight? Like, do you want us to call this place? And then, you know, the nice thing is like, they don't require that you even give them, you know, the name. Like, you can basically call and say, hey, you know, this is EMS. We're taking this patient to this hospital. This is what the patient's wearing. You know, this is kind of what they look like. And uh, they'll be there within, like, an hour to um, take that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's it's been nice. Like, they really come quickly. And so for folks who, like, need help, like, they – you know, just making that direct phone call. Cause there was one, one night I realized I didn't have the number in my phone. Um, and Pete had left his phone in the ambulance and we ended up like traveling with the BLS. And I spent like the entire ride to the hospital and like maybe a half hour after that, trying to find these services and it was like impossible. So having the direct yeah. phone number was like, it's, it's been so helpful yeah. because honestly I felt terrible that I was like this poor guy, needed help asked for help and i spent you know 30 minutes on my phone on the internet and i'm like this guy doesn't have access to the internet and i can't even like get any information you know so that was like really upsetting um but yeah like i i feel like you know that's the thing like we have people who i mean it's you know obviously there's like circumstances i i feel like i feel you know empathy and um I'm, I don't, I'm never like mean and crappy to people, but, um, you know, then there's, there's the, the abusers of the system. And those are the ones that when I say like, yeah. oh, uh, you know, who might need to be relocated, it's a person who just like abused the system where they went yeah. inside the hospital, the hospital kicked them out because they were belligerent or they spit on a nurse or whatever they did. And then they literally go outside and, you know, use the payphone and call 911 again and demand we take them somewhere else or demand we bring them back into the same hospital. And uh, yep. those are the folks who, like, really, it's unfortunate that, you know, like, that they can kind of, like, com I don't know, continue to sort of abuse the system. But there's a lot of people out there who just really need help, you know, and... Yeah, a place to go. Yeah, so. you're, you're right. I agree, and it's it, sometimes it's real tough because you'll get you'll get one. I, I know when I was at when I was down uh, in Midtown area, that was that was a big thing. Was like you you run like seven or eight of those people a day, and you you get one, and they want to fight with you and cuss you out, and, you know, try to do all that stuff, and then so that really burns you out on you know trying to be nice to people, yeah. and then 
you get a, you know, the next one you're trying to, you know, they're really nice and it's, it's really tough having that back and forth and that swing, you know, it, it's, it really, it takes a toll on you with the, with the mentality and the mindset of, of changing your mentality back from, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to protect myself at this point. Now I got to go back into helping people mode and it's, it's very difficult, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's good to hear that other places are thinking about that too. And, you know, that's, that's a big thing. I mean, we run a lot of homeless right now, you know, I think nation nationwide we do. Yeah. It's It's funny because we were just in Detroit and, um, their homeless, I think are better hidden than ours. Maybe because it's cold okay. in Michigan, but um, we didn't like where we are. There's homeless people everywhere, and there, okay. there wasn't that many. Like you saw them out during the day, but there might night, be more. Uh-huh. I don't. Maybe there's more shelters. Or I mean, because we have shelters as well, but um, yeah, there's a lot of folks who are just like literally living on the street. And as it gets colder and colder every year, you know, we end up having like people who maybe have like hypothermic issues. Um, but I mean, there's. We don't have it like there's some places like Austin, Texas or Los Angeles where they have like these tent city kind of yeah. situations. And like we yeah. don't, we're not there yet, yeah, but it is sort of getting to that point where like these little, you know, yeah, are developing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, homelessness has gotten, in my opinion, like worse in the last maybe decade than it had been in a long time. And. I don't know if it's like gentrification or what, but like people can't live where they lived. I don't, I don't know. But um, uh-huh. yeah, we have a very large homeless population in New York, more than we did a decade ago. Like when I first became a medic 12 years ago, um, I don't think we had as many homeless patients as like I currently have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's tough. It's definitely, it, it causes, I think it causes a lot of burnout for, for the nationwide EMS system. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, I'd say probably half, 20, you know, nationwide, half of what we do is not even real medical anymore. You're, you're kind of, you kind of got to be the end all be all. You're the social worker. You're the, yeah. you know, we're always patient advocates, but you're the social worker. You're the first responder. You're the, you're the everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when nobody else knows what to do with them, what are you going to do? You call the mm-hmm. I think that's, yep. I mean, like you that know? really, it's like we're so, a catch all for, um, yeah, like, you know, the homeless population who may be laying on the street and like, you know, a passerby decides to call 911 and it's like, what else is going to happen with this person? You know, like, so sometimes, you know, we pull up to folks who like don't want our help and they're like, no, I'm not going to the hospital. And it's like, yeah, why do I need to go to the hospital? I'm just hanging out, you know, or sleeping or whatever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's like they'll take the ride because it's like, all right, I'm I'm cold or I'm hungry. Like, yeah, I'll go. But, um, you know, there's got to be, like, better resources than just kind of, like, you know, taking up space for a few hours at the hospital, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, and I, th- I think, I know, Julie, you and I talked about this. We always, you know, you always catch more flies with honey than water or whatever. It's like, you know. I, I try to give them a blanket and give them yeah. a, a pillow or whatever. And, you know, I think that'll just, you know, that'll uh, dissolve quite a few of the of the hostile situations you can get into. Because, you know, when you get in the back and you're an ass to someone, then they're automatically, you know, like, Defensive. oh, screw you. I don't, you know. Yeah. 
you know. But if you're nice to them, they might calm down and relax and actually talk to you about what's going on. Yeah. So yeah. you might save yourself a call in the long run. Yeah, no, I agree. That's actually, so. like, Peter does that a lot. Like, he'll, uh, even folks who, like, don't want to come with us, like, he'll give them a blanket. You know, like, we'll get a call for them and they, like, are a little frustrated like no I don't I don't need to go anywhere like I didn't I'm just sleeping here and he'll like give him a blanket or you know like just because it's like all right well you're out here you know yeah. it's 40 degrees right now in New York so I mean you may as well mm-hmm. take one of our blankets um yeah but yeah, all right, yeah. so other than homeless people <laughs> give me some good Kansas City stories bro <laughs> do what dazzle me with some good Kansas City stories <laughs> do you guys have you, oh, do you guys have that um what was that water slide where the kid like flew off. Is that in your district? Is that in your city? Uh, yeah, no, that's not in our district. That's on the Kansas side. But yeah, that was a that was a big thing about Schlitterbahn. That's it, Schlitterbahn. Yeah, yeah. That was. I had never been there. I had never been there. I'd been to some other water parks, but I I driven by and seen it, and it was quite yeah, it was quite the water slide. I was like, oh, Mm. okay, yeah, yeah, (laughs) but. Yeah, we're and we're big baseball fans out here. Even though the Royals don't do necessarily too good every year, that's but right. we're big baseball fans. Um, that's a really cool thing. I've gotten to work because we do the standbys at the Chiefs and the Royals games. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I got to, you know, I I've gotten to sit in the bullpen and do an EMS oh, wow. standby. That was that, that was a cool. unique experience. Yeah. So that's a nice like, then, perk. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's great. And then you know it gets it gets hot, but it's it's nice out here. I I like it. Um, fall's beautiful, spring's beautiful. So we've got good wineries around here. A great brewery, uh, Boulevard Brewery is a great brewery. So mm. they they make a really good uh, pale ale. So mm. and then you can go in there and sit, and you know uh, they've got a little beer tasting hall, and then we do Irish Fest and Oktoberfest. Yeah, it's it's real nice up here. Huh. So, Kansas, Missouri, like Kansas it, City. Bro. It's a place to visit. Maybe next. <laughs> I gave up drinking. It's fine. I know. Pete yeah. Pete doesn't drink anymore. Yeah, so. I give up drinking. <laughs> but, uh, oh, gotcha. gotcha. I, dr- I drank yeah. enough for all of us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's probably better that I don't podcast and drink because my filter would be even less. <laughs> So it's probably it's yeah. It, we might get into some interesting stories that way. <laughs> yeah, so, we, we did a but podcast yeah, no. where everybody was drinking, and that shit just oh. went off the rails. Bro. I know. Well, it was all it was like all you know EMS folks from New York, and it was like right in the midst of all the COVID yeah. stuff. It was like on our day off. Somebody drank like so, a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, I drank like two whiskey. bottles of champagne. Like I, we all just were chatting and like hanging out yeah, virtually. Bad. I think we all were letting off steam because it was like COVID, yeah. but yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. at the end of it, it was like, I guess we're not going to air this yeah. because, uh, I'm sure there was plenty of language and plenty yeah. of opinions flying around. I think the opinions were worse than the language. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the it's worst an interesting part. one. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys do it sitting the stage. I mean, I know you sit on the corners, but I'm sure you get around other guys and, there's some opinions that come out and some of the things we talk about in this in this service it's like man you know you sit there at the end and you're like if people only knew yeah. I know. <laughs> and it's you know it's funny because i grew up my dad was a firefighter so like he would tell me you know kind of i mean he wouldn't go into like major detail about jobs but he would talk about like the sense of humor and 
I remember thinking like, okay, I don't know, that sounds like dark. And then when I got to EMS, I was like, oh, okay, like after you've been in it a little while, that's just like how everybody talks because I don't know, you, yeah. it's not that you're like disrespectful, like you just sort of have, you have to like blow off steam and um, because you oh, see yeah. such gore and awfulness, it's, it's not, you know, like certain, certain jokes just don't cut it, I guess. I don't know. You got any good yeah, jobs no, that, uh, I, that stick out to you? Um, let's see. I had, I've had a couple shootings. I had a shooting down in Westport where a guy got it, like his whole cheek blown out. He got shot like six times and was still awake and was Ooh. still kind of talking. And mm. that, that was a very interesting one, trying to get him oxygen and trying yeah. to, you know, bag him and, huh. and, uh, try to, try to treat him And, um, I ran a I ran a lady last night that uh, she cut she fell from her wheelchair to she was trying to move from her wheelchair to her bed and she had a like a one or two inch laceration on her on the side of her face comes in as a fall and we get there and there's blood all over the place mm. and, you know that kind of thing and there's a yeah there's been a couple a couple of shootings stick out um, I haven't had a I don't think I've had a stabbing yet no I had a guy who got stabbed. He got stabbed with a rusty screwdriver. I Oof. think it was like a domestic <laughs> thing. And yeah. his uh, girlfriend shot. or wife <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stabbed him with a screwdriver. Yikes. So, that is angry. And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we just saw a um, video of somebody, it was in Ireland. They stabbed, it was like a whole neighborhood came after this guy. They had like a hatchet. Oh. And oh. like a hatchet, a hammer, a bicycle, and a dude with no shirt on. Yeah, but the oh it was gosh. not some like weird, just like sensational like video. It was like I guess it was a video from a street camera, but uh, it was like one of our friends that lives over there who yeah. works EMS. Like that was like his yeah. patient. I thought they were all nice in Irish. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, not that. Listen, I Irish they were folks. Nice and proper. No, oh, they'll shit. beat your booty. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man! Uh, yeah. Do they, how do your so when you get shots? Are, are they shooting the extremities? Are they getting people, you know, like multiple times? Well, yeah. Uh, it it kind of goes back and forth. It's kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, you'll you'll run. Our protocol is if it's if they're I think it's if it's below the wrist or the ankles, it's not a trauma activation. Huh. Um. But ain't, or maybe it's elbows and knees. It's not trauma activation, but anything else is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're getting it. It, it really varies. I've I ran a dude who shot himself. He he had a gun. This was in. I was working overtime or got mandatory in or something, and he got he uh, had a gun and he shot himself like in the upper thigh, like like an inch below his groin on the right mm. side, and it was. He shot himself the night before, and it was all swollen, and it was, you know, he was starting to drift in and out. Oh, my gosh. It was one of those real, like, oh, boy, you know. He shot himself. <laughs> and yeah, he, he was like, drunk or something the night before. Well, I think he had it in his waistband, or he was pulling it out. This was uh, this was <laughs> last year during the Super Bowl. So, I, yeah, I, I got I want to skip the game. <laughs> I'll, yeah. call, I'll go yeah, tomorrow. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was no English. I think he was a Mexican guy. Yeah. Very, very broken English or no English, and uh, I think he was like pulling a gun out to show a friend or something, or oh, you know, man. one of those things was the story we got. And Eesh. I think it was like a thirty-eight revolver or something shot himself in, in the leg. So, 
Jesus. You yeah. guys have a lot of gangs over there too, right? Like there, there's some gangs. Uh, yeah, there's kind of just the location of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They used to, they used to have uh, the Galloping Goose here. I think it's still kind of active. I'm not really too sure. Okay. Um, but they kind of, this is kind of like a central distribution point for, you know, the drugs and all the illicit stuff going on is, is Kansas City because everything can come up from Mexico and then can go to the coast. So mm. you like, come through, what I've heard is come through Kansas City, go to Chicago or go to Denver and then spread out from there kind of thing. So, Interesting. yeah. You guys still doing a lot of overdoses, like heroin overdoses or no? Uh, is that- PCP is ours right now. That's- and that's. That do you guys run a lot of PCP out there? Not really. I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. in New York, it was like big in like the '90s and like early 2000s. Yeah, recently. Recently, but it's not. It's not as prevalent. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, or ketamine. I'm sorry, ketamine. Ah, okay. Ketamine is our big one right now. Huh. Yeah. And ketamine. Um, and you'll get. Yeah, that's. Are but what do you do they, for are them? They I mean, it or what are they doing? Probably snorting it. I imagine. Or shooting it. Well, they. They dip wet, um, uh, if I remember, if I remember right. Which so is like something I that's a whole different name. Because if, if you call it wet by us, it, that's it's mm-hmm. usually dust PCP. Yeah. Um, because it would be in liquid form. Yeah. It was like a lick, yeah. and then you just dip a cigarette or whatever in it and like yeah. smoke that. Um, yeah. And K is usually yeah. sniffed here or was, <laughs> anyway. Um. But what, I mean, like, do you do else. anything for that? Or you just bring, like, kind that's, of monitor them and... That's, yeah, that's kind of, well, what those two big things were running, you'll, it, it's, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it. You either get the totally, like, dystonic reaction of, like, they're totally, like, separated mm. from the world. Yeah. Or they are, we had a whole pumper and a whole ambulance crew in the back of the ambulance one night trying to fight this guy to stay wow. down. And, you know, he was, like, throwing us all off and, you know yelling and yeah it's well you gotta be very we, we we're very careful with those guys like you you know i feel like i try to handle them with kick gloves a little bit because i yeah. don't want to hit that thing that's going to set them off i know so. that nerve you know we have a lot of hipsters yeah. so we get like interesting overdoses <laughs> so okay okay a lot, How, of, uh, a lot of weed overdoses lately it's been yeah the edibles we're doing edibles and they think they're going to die from it I get it. I mean, it's like because they end up having this kind of like sympathetic sort of response. Like they get like anxiety, you know, their heart is pounding, their blood pressure is high. Like, and, um, but that's not, you know, like someone who smoked a joint. It's like someone who ate like an edible that they had no idea what the dosage was. And they probably, you know, just ate like an enormous amount of THC. And we get like GHB. We'll get GHB. When the clubs were open, we got some GHB. Yeah, jobs. I don't know. You know, we haven't had any open clubs really in New York. So that kind it's, of went away. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I th- I had one the other, oh, it was probably three or four months ago now. Came in as a pediatric cardiac arrest. Oh, so we get, and we, you know, we've got um, the Marvelous. We've got Marvelous system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that yeah. or not. Um, it's just our CAD system, yeah. um, just one of the names. But, you know, we're, we're, so we, we're heading to this call. We're running with a pumper way up north, so we're, we're running through a couple districts because other ambulances were out. And yeah. um, I'm looking at it. It's like a 17-year-old girl. And we get there, and 
they were bagging her. She was in respiratory. Uh, I think I'd call it respiratory failure. Yeah. And I gave her some Narcan, and and she woke right up. But um, she didn't come around fully. I think she was drinking along with, you know, took a Xanax bar and then yeah. did, you know, whatever, whatever else. And, mm. you know, she was still real messed up. But it was one of those deals we're seeing a lot. We're, we see a lot of mixing out here. And, and alcohol is a huge thing out here. We, we run a lot of drunks. Yeah. So, yeah. and then you, you never know how they're gonna react. What's your um, what's your favorite your drunks uh, vodka of choice? Do you remember? Do what? Because our drunks they like Georgie vodka, or we have uh, Laird's Applejack. Is the Rotgut vodka of choice <laughs> in New York City? Do you guys have a local? We've favorite? got. Yeah, we've got one called. It's called like pack pack balls or something like that. It oh, looks okay. like this Russian. Oh, yeah. pop offs. Yeah, we have pop offs too. Yeah, pop offs vodka. Yeah, oh, that yeah. we'll we'll yeah we'll pull bottles with those off people. Like guys will have two bottles with them, yeah. and they're just starting the second one. And yeah. I, you know, the game um, they'll go out, sell in the street corners, and collect money. And after the day, get you know. 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever they can, and then go in and buy a $12 bottle or an $8 bottle yeah. and go get a sandwich, and then they're trashed. So. Yikes. But, yeah, we run, we run a lot of that. from the hospital. We've had that. Oh. I've seen that before. That, that like, blew my mind. <laughs> that's crazy. That's, crazy. that's, I mean, that's unfortunate. That's someone who's, like, physically, you know, they absolutely physically need it. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, I think I saw a dude, it was Lysol or something, or, you know, we do that, they they do the paint huffing, but, like, he took Lysol or something weird like that and and did it in a plastic bag and then inhaled it, mm. and that came up real, real bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Was it like the whippets? Because they suck the, pro- there's propane in there, so that's the thing. Okay. Yeah, a propellant. It was like nit- nitrous oxide or something. Yeah. No, that's different. Because yeah. propane doesn't kill the atmosphere. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I mean, it's... you can get high with many Anything. things. Anything. The internet's an amazing yeah. place. I know. Very amazing yeah. place. Yeah. Dudes have gas. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah. we've seen that a little bit. Yeah. So. I never, yeah, I had a guy, he, that was like years ago where he huffed gas. And he just stand there with yeah. Straight. I don't think, I don't think the gamies like learn about that too well. Like yeah. they don't know how to do the new. They don't know how to do the new stuff. So they're like, you know, like they just do whatever. They're like ten years behind of everyone else, or whatever mm. you know. So, but yeah, it's it's one of those crazies. So, but but yeah, um, I don't know. Like I said, I I've been trying to think of um, a good. A good call. A good call. I got bit once. That oh, was man. that set me off. I did not oh. do. I did not do good with getting bit. Yeah. So. And what kind of patient was it that bit you? I mean, like, what was the call type? This was well. This was a homeless guy, and it was he was running around in in the bar area during the during the it was like a Friday night, and he was running around there, and you know, causing problems. So the cops were trying to get him out, and he was drunk, so they were sending him out for like eval or for detox or something to the hospital. We get there, you know, it was a guy from my academy class and we were, we were pretty new out of academy 
and we pulled up and he's in a wheelchair i think he he didn't have a leg or something he was missing a leg mm-hmm. and you know walk up hey man f you and all this and that like before i even walked up they're like yeah he's, he's gonna go and we're like yeah. okay and so i reach down i get under his arm yeah and i i pick him up and my partner grabs his leg or whatever his good leg and we're about halfway up through the through the through the through the carry through the move over yeah. and he reaches down and bites me on the arm mm. and yeah it didn't go good yeah <laughs> yeah you know and it was one of those things it was like you know it just and then he tried to choke out my partner oh my and God. It, it didn't go well for him I, I, so, I hope it, it didn't <laughs> no it was not Yikes. yeah I I Again, I try to be very nice to those people, but that I yeah. I tell all of them if I think it's coming, I'm like, don't spit on me mm-hmm. and don't bite me. I said that's yeah. I said if you do those two things, it's, it's going to go real, real bad for yeah. you, real quick. Yeah. So, but I know yeah, those are like so. the two things in life. It seems I don't know that sort of like separate us, like yeah. as humans, you know, like like we don't yep. bite each other we don't spit on each other like and when you do you should be expecting something you know like yeah. the sky to fall on you because yeah. that's just you know yeah so, it's yeah so we go for like two hours and it goes pretty quick what would you tell a new person who's just starting out that's what you should ask everybody you know, um i would guy. yeah I would, I would tell them, I would tell them again, like we've talked about, learn your craft, learn your craft real well. You know, you're dealing with people's lives every day. You know, if you get on as a firefighter EMT or whatever, you know, fighting fire, we, we learn how to do that. You know, this is something you're going to do every day and you're going to see so many sick people. And so you're going to help so much through being a good EMT, through being a good medic. And take that and show others when you get a little bit of experience or a little bit of time on. Help that and show others. And keep your compassion. And then the other thing I would I would tell them is find a way to handle the mental strain it takes on you. Mm-hmm. You know, there don't 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 turn to drinking, don't turn to drugs, don't turn to whatever else. Find a healthy way to channel that and to and to get rid of that stress or to de stress from that situation whatever you're running, um, how, the best way possible. Because you'll start throwing up emotional walls, like, and you'll, you know, you want to block out what you've seen or you don't want to feel because you, you have to be on a call and you've got to be the one to keep your level head. And when families are crying and, and everyone's screaming, well, you start throwing up emotional walls, next thing you know, you're in your own home and you can't connect with your own family anymore. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of those things that, you have to learn. And that's something I've, you know, I've struggled with before in my life too, is, you know, thinking about letting down those walls and think, you know, like, it's okay. This is home. This isn't work. You know, this is, this is something I can calm down and I can kind of talk to people and it's okay for me to be vulnerable around those people. Yeah. That's a big word. That's a good word. Vulnerable. Yeah. Like allowing yourself to to feel stuff, show people your vulnerability. Yeah, we're we're the fixers. We fix everything. Yeah. You don't get into this line of work if you don't want to help people and you don't want to fix things. You know, I'm I'm always the person. You know, people come to because the car's broken down or something doesn't work in the house or this thing or that thing or I've got a problem, and it's okay to realize that 
it's okay for you to have problems too. Yeah. You know, you need to have someone you can share that with, whether it be someone that you've talked to before or you've talked to, you know, you need to find someone who you can share that with. So hmm. it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It really is. So, and it'll change you. It'll, this job will change you as a person. It took, you know, I mean, I've been told, I think I'm a pretty nice guy, but I'm told I'm an asshole sometimes, you know? <laughs> I mean, right. I, I, can, I can get in that mode too, so, you know, that's, yeah. And that's, I mean, I know uh, Julie and I, you, you know, we were talking about that the other day about how big it is and, and how important it is for, for you to be able to, you know, come home and understand what, you know, what they're going through too, because this isn't easy easy job for spouses or girlfriends or, or your family to, you know, you're, you're signing up to serve people and, and you're signing up for more than just to help. You're signing up to take that mental toll off of someone else, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, that's a, that's a big thing with me. I always try to tell the new people who I run serious calls with is I had it just the other night. I had a, I had a cardiac arrest at, I, I work part-time, too, at a fire department that runs an ambulance. I had a cardiac arrest. This new kid's about 18, 19, you know, got his fire and he's his EMT, and he's not super motivated, but he's just, you know, he was there, and we run this code, and it's, I mean, it, it was a pretty standard code, but we get back in the rig, and he's like, that was real intense, and I was like, man, that, that's not really that. I said, that was a pretty normal code. That was a pretty subtle code. I said, you know, I said, you know, you got to find some way to deal with this and, you know, deal with the, deal with the stress. And it's tough when you do that first one, your first code and, yeah. you know, so that, we got to be advocates for each other as yeah. much as we're patient advocates. We got to advocate for each other. Yeah. I think that is one of those things too. Like, I don't know, like when you're younger and you first come on, it's, it's sort of like you're expected to kind of like just deal with it or. I don't know, there's this, like, weird expectation that, like, you're you're supposed to just, like, be like, oh, this is fine. You know, like, everything just rolls off of you, like, oh, yeah, you know, a bunch of dead yeah. people, like, not a big deal. And it's like, it is a big deal. And I think as you get older, you know, sometimes you see younger folks on this job, you have to kind of, like, step in sometimes and be like, hey, you okay? Like, that was a weird job, right? You know, because it's mm-hmm. like, it was weird for me. Like, so I, I feel like yeah. I, I try to tell people at my station like about me like even the parts of me that are a little vulnerable sometimes because I feel like I don't know like I I'm not you know so impervious to the stuff we see and do you know and um yeah I don't know like I think when I first came on there was this like weird almost cowboy like attitude that a lot of folks had where it was like well you just deal with it maybe you're not you know maybe you're not cut out for this or something like that and uh, it's like, that's yeah. not it. Like, you know, this is just like at war. Like, soldiers, you know, just because you're affected by the things you see doesn't mean you're, like, somehow not strong. Like, it just means that you see a lot of horrible stuff and it's going to affect yeah. you sometimes, you know? Yeah. I remember before before the spot I'm at now, We I was at a spot. We had a, we had a couple major highways running through. Well, this guy got, this guy got drunk one night and, left the bar and he's walking home on the highway he got absolutely smoked by this car doing like 60 or 70 and drag him for a while and his family was actually at the bar with him and we get there and 
you know, they were in exit down and I can hear the mom wailing from, yeah. from down the way. And we had to lift this car up and pull this guy out. And, um, I was with the guy and he was messing or, you know, he was messing around with me a little bit. And I, you know, I thought I've been in this for a little bit. Like I'm like, nothing's gonna, you know, I've, I've seen it. No one messed with me. Even, even with the couple of years I had on or, you know, four, three, four years I had on, you know, and he's messing with me and I pull away and we, we got back and he sat down and talked to me and it was, it was, it was real nice. And it was a good reminder that, you know, you can have, you can have a bunch of years on and you're still going to see something that can mess you up. Yeah. So yeah. it's always okay. Yeah. It's always okay to talk to someone. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's important. You know, it is. It definitely is. All right, cool. So we'll leave it there. Yeah. Shane? I know. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for chatting with us, man. So we'll definitely... Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I've really, I really enjoyed getting to know you guys. And I'm, yeah. I'm, it, it's, it's nice meeting other people who, you know, have a passion for what they do and, you know, who want to help people. And, and it's cool, to, you know, for everyone else, it's FDNY and it's, you know, seeing other big cities and it's seeing other, you know, this and that. And it's, it's helping new people through this job. It's 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 a it's a great thing. So I'm real I'm real thankful I got in contact with Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, man. And I'm really looking so, forward to us getting to yeah, Missouri yeah. and like Definitely. eating barbecue and enjoying <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> For sure. Anytime you guys come through, let me know. I'll just yeah. some good barbecue. Awesome. awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So,